Oh, if I'd have overeaten, it wouldn't have come out like water, would it? It'd come out like fudge. Hello and welcome to Too Much Time On Our Hands, a theatrical cut. Welcome back to our second pod of 2019. I'm Terry and as ever I'm joined by Sonia. Hello dear. How are you feeling? I'm feeling fine. Smashing stuff. So on this pod what we're going to do is we're going to do the big catch up from our last recording session which was... A disaster. Yeah, a disaster. I mean our literal last recording session. But the last time before a pod went out, so we'll be going back from December, essentially, everything we've watched other than our cinema visits, which we went through in the last pod, up to now, just to catch up on all of the shit we've been watching. So, so uh, a weekly roundup has basically become a six-weekly roundup. Yeah, so it's got its own pod, its own episode just for this week. So starting off for me, so I watched The Outlaw King on Netflix, which is a Netflix original starring... Chris Pine as Robert Bruce. Oh, yeah. With the accent. Yeah, yeah the I've accent. I've heard about this. Uh, the accent's not terrible. It's not brilliant either. It's it's a very brutal film. It's very gory. I can see why it ended up on Netflix. I can imagine a lot of studios not wanting to get involved because it's quite long. It's quite... Not dull, but... It What's it called? I've forgotten already. The Outlaw King. Okay. Because um, essentially it follows... Essentially it's like a sequel to Braveheart. Uh, and it picks up where all of the Scottish pe- the, the Scottish lords have succumbed to England. And then basically Robert Bruce decides that, no, I'm not going to have this. And he starts his own revolt. And so he becomes the outlaw king because he's dubbed the king of Scotland by the king of England. Um, and it's just him trying to strike to get back his country. And obviously it's got, you've got the English who are like, made to look out like absolute dickheads. Um, there's some really gory fight scenes. There is full frontal nudity from Chris Pine as he gives himself a little bath in a stream. Interesting. Uh, yeah, so maybe you want to, you might watch that now, son. Might but do. Perfectly good. Like if you like a sort of historical sort of sword and sandal style epic. Did you just say sword? I did say sword. Uh, perfectly decent. Um, I enjoyed it, but wasn't blown away by it. What's your first film up, son? Well, I saw or I watched uh, Winchester. Oh, is that the Helen Mirren? It is, yeah. Um, which has gone on to Netflix. Uh, she plays Sarah Winchester, who is the heiress to the Winchester... Related to the Winchesters of the Supernatural? No, I did question that. <laughs> um, they might have come in handy with her uh, story. Um, no, uh, Winchester uh, Rifles. Um, now, ah. I think this is loosely based on something that actually happened. But obviously, it's got a supernatural element to it, so I, I don't quite know the the full facts but essentially she lives in this house where she's being haunted by the spirits of people who have died at the hands of a winchester rifle which you imagine would be plenty very many um and she has to keep building onto her house she has to build these rooms for these spirits to kind of resolve whatever it is that's preventing them crossing over to the afterlife and once once that's done, I think the room's either destroyed or if they can't cross over, then the room is sealed to keep that spirit in there. So she has lots of uh, staircases that lead to nowhere, corridors that lead to nowhere, and lots of closed-up rooms, and spirits escape the rooms. And 
all kinds of shenanigans go on and someone goes and helps to investigate it and I, for the life of me I can't remember the actor's name um, I didn't think it was terrible I quite enjoyed yeah. it actually I, I, it's a film that I've heard not great reviews of yeah. um, but I really didn't mind it um, you know it's on Netflix give it a look I'd say long not really because that's the main thing I really wish Netflix had a category where you could say 90 minutes yeah that would be a great category <clears throat> it really would. Uh, right, what's next? Uh, next up for me was Constantine City of Demons, which oh, is a DC one. animated film. Yeah, I really like the DC animated films for the most part. I think they're better than most of their actual films because they just let their characters run. They trust in the characters. I think because it's a comic, because it's a cartoon, you could be a bit more comic booky, whereas in the films they try and make them a bit more realistic. But Constantine obviously made famous in the Hollywood film style Keanu Reeves, which is actually very, very good. Um, I love Constantine. Yeah, I think it's a really good film. Yeah. So he's back to his roots. So he's a scouser. He's blonde, as he is in the comic books. But he's essentially like a sorcerer, and he <clears throat> battles against the occult. This film, or this comic, is his friend from childhood has come to ask for help because his daughter's in a coma, and he's led to believe there's a supernatural element to it. Um, and Constantine gets involved, and there is indeed a supernatural element to her coma, and essentially a demon has stolen her soul and left the body empty to try and get Constantine because he wants help from Constantine to cross over, essentially, into that take over Las Vegas or something like that from the spirit world. It, it's quite dark. I think it's like a 15-rated cartoon, so it's quite dark. There's some horrible sort of genocide sort of undertones to it, but really decent. Say, I really like the DC animated films. Mm, it sold very well. Yeah. Um, now, Terry and I have got a lot to get through on this pod, so we've limited ourselves to talking for no more than two minutes on each film, but I'm going to do my next one really quickly because I need to claim back the time on one that I'm going to talk about a bit later, Terry. Okay. Um, so I re-watched From Dusk Till Dawn just because I fancied watching it. We've spoke about it on the Vampire um, episode. If you haven't seen From Dusk Till Dawn, have a think about your life and watch it. <laughs> what did you watch, Very Terry? succinct. Uh, so the next film I watched was Revenge. Uh, which got a lot of positive press. Oh, yeah, press. I've got the box for that. No, you gave it back to oh, me, okay. yeah. So I did lend it to Sonia, and then the day after I lent it to her, I went to watch a DVD, and the disc for Revenge was in my player. <laughs> so I'd given Sonia an empty box. Um, but, yeah, so this is... It's sort of half French, half English, but mostly in English, but it's a guy takes a girl to his... I don't think it's his cabin, but to a remote cabin in Morocco... We see them have sex, and then the next day, two other guys turn up, and essentially he's on like a sort of business trip with two of his mates. Um, that night, they have fun, they do drugs. She does all this sexy dancing with the other guys that try and wind up the boyfriend. He goes off, and the next day she wakes up, and the guy's like, oh, like trying to chat. She's very much sort of like cold to them because like it's the next day. And the guy's very much like, oh, you seem to like me last night. And essentially, he rapes her. While he's raping her, the other guy walks into the room because he hears screaming, sees her being raped, and just walks off and leaves it to her. Um, she's obviously like, I've been raped to the guy that she was with, and he's just like, don't worry, we'll sort it out. Offers her like loads of money to not say anything. Essentially, they end up killing her or thinking they've killed her. And then it's a, it's a bit like I spit on your grave. It then becomes like a revenge film for her, but there's a very supernatural element. She falls off a cliff. She's like stabbed clean through the chest, but she sort of somehow gets up and it's, it's, it's like it takes on a very supernatural element and it's her like 
almost back from the dead, like reborn. Reading the trivia, apparently there is meant to be like parallels of like Jesus because like the type of bush she falls on or something like that. But it's just it's proper grim, but like and enjoyably so. And it's very much like it doesn't focus on like the rape element. She's just the rape is very much happening in a room. You don't see it like it's not like exploitation for that. And then it's the the battling and her revenge that is like the glorified section. It's decent. I'd recommend it if you like that kind of thing. Well, maybe next time you could put it in the case. Yeah, and I, I'll watch I should it. have brought it with me, really, shouldn't I? Yeah, should have done. Um, okay, so the next one is one that we've actually both seen, um, and that is Mowgli: Legend of the Jungle, which is on Netflix, which is yeah. a live-action jungle book. A live-action stop motion. Yeah, live-action with the humans, not with the animals. But they were stop motion. <clears throat> they were motion capture, whereas mm. the Disney Jungle Book, they were all completely CGI and people just I did the voices. I have seen that one. Yeah, whereas so... this one, they did the thing with like the dots on their faces, oh, okay. so you could actually sort of see humanity in their faces. Um, so what did you think? I really liked it. Oh, I, me too. I thought I really liked the fact that they weren't like realistic animals. Because mm. I say, in the Disney Jungle Book, they are like photorealistic lions, tigers, etc. Whereas this is... Because I read an interview with Eddie Serkis and he said that they tried to make it look like the drawings from the book, not necessarily what an animal would look like. And mm. I really liked that. I thought the voices, the voice cast was really, really good. Is Cum- it Christian Bale one Christian of them? Bale is Bagheera. Yeah. And Cumberpatch, because he's in everything, is mm. Khan. Mm. But no, I thought it was really good. I really liked it. Obviously, it's quite grim. It's quite dark compared mm. to like the Disney one. But no, I really, really enjoyed it. Yeah, I thought it was really good. Um, and obviously, Kate Blanchett's voice in it as well. Yeah, I just... I just thought it was really, really good. I I had heard a few like iffy things about it, but then not people that I actually knew, but then people that I know that have watched it. Everyone's enjoyed it. I haven't seen the live action Disney Jungle Book to compare it to. That's good, but for different reasons. I feel like this one people had a negative imp of a negative thought pattern to it because it sort of buckled and re- removed its release date because it was was originally scheduled to come out at the same time as the Disney one. Oh, okay. It took itself off the schedule and it's ended up on Netflix because I guess so much time had passed mm. and stuff like that. But people then associated that with it wasn't very good or it wasn't as good as the other one. But I think, so they're both very different films because the other one is very much like a retelling of the cartoon, whereas this is obviously much darker tale. Yeah. Um, so that's another Netflix recommends that we can give for you. Yeah. Um, what else? What else have you seen? Uh, so obviously we're ignoring Christmas films because we watched a few of those over that time so I watched a film called Backtrack uh, so I saw an advert for this film on one of the other ones it's just sort of some random cheapy it's got Adrian Brody, Sam Neill um, essentially Adrian Brody we don't, his daughter has died in an accident mm. and he's not taking it very well and he's basically moved and he was a psychiatrist and he's now doing like he's still a psychiatrist but he's doing easier patients was like he's taken on some of Sam Neill's easier patients just so that he can work but not like struggle and essentially he starts seeing this girl and no one else can see her and he has these visions of things that happened in his childhood I can't really say a lot more without getting into spoiler territory Mm -hmm, but he ends up going back to where he grew up and seeing his father and seeing this incident that's he's obviously forgotten but left an impact in his brain and he has to like unravel what that issue was what happened why did it happen and not how it's come to impact on his life as it is now it's actually fairly decent it's one of those you watch the trailer and you think it's one film and then watching the film 
the trailer probably covers like the first 15 to 20 minutes and then it becomes something complete because it makes it like it's this ghost story what's going yeah. on but that's not what the film's about but I got it for like a quid from CEX oh, okay um, I really enjoyed it it's not a world beater it's not going to be something you're going to watch over and over again but for like a one watch I thought it was decent sweet um, I I was going through because I've I've got access to two Netflix accounts because obviously I moved house and I've been sort of working through my list and sort of transferring things across from one account to the other. And, uh, you know, sometimes we have films on your list that you've kind of forgotten about. Yep. And I was trying to work my way through my list. And um, I... <coughs> a film that uh, has always sold quite well at work is Bad Moms. Um, oh, God. Yeah. Um, and I just fancied something... I just kind of looked at the comedy films that I had on my list and I just wanted something light and easy to watch. Yeah. I think I watched it on Christmas Eve. I think I was just here on my own for a couple of hours and just wanted something easy to watch. I really enjoyed it. Um, I mean, I, I wasn't like laughing in the aisles or anything like that. It's it's amusing rather than yeah. ruffle. Um, ruffle. But I did really, really enjoy it. Um, I especially liked Catherine Hahn's character. She plays like the, the crazier mum. So um, Mila Kunis is supposed to be a bad mom, but she's she's not really. Um, none of them are bad mums, but they kind of hold the, or they're held up to the you know the uh, PTA mums. Yeah, are kind of looking down their noses at them a little bit, and some of the mums kind of like break away and have they they kind of like all band together and decide to sort of. Mila Kunis decides to run for PTA president because she's like, the kids get too much homework and we're held to, to too high a standard and they should have more days off and stuff like that. It's just kind of like a fun film. If you want to sort of watch something and completely switch off, um, then Bad Moms is the way to go. And it's got a really nice little end credit scene where the actual mums of the three lead actresses... Oh, is it based on true story? Oh, no, sorry. No, no, no. the, the actual are... mums of the three lead actresses sit and talk about their daughters. And, no, and you've got, like, the three main... Like, you've got the three bad mums and then you've got the three good mums, if you like. Because <clears> Jada Pinkett-Smith is one of the good mums and yeah. her mum's on there. And they they just talk about, you know... What their children, what their daughters were like, and what it's like to be their mum. Did you um, watch the Take That documentary that was on over Christmas? I watched some of it. Where there was a similar thing where you had yeah. like their mums just sat chatting, yeah. and you had Jason's mum just going, "I don't really care now he's not there." <laughs> it makes me feel sad. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I enjoyed Bad Mums. Didn't think it was terrible. What about what else have you watched? Uh, so I watched The Muppets. Quite a few of these films I actually watched on television because I was just like channel hopping in front of them. So yeah, I watched The Muppets. The semi-recent, what was it, two, tw 2011 now? The one with Ricky Gervais? No, the one before that, the one with Jason Siegel, Seigel. Well, it's like the prequel to that, where it's okay. sort of the big comeback. Yeah, yeah. It's just, it's just a really nice film. Um, I think there's some think really I've good songs. It. It's the one where Jermaine Clement wrote the songs. Yeah, I've got the soundtrack, I think. Um, Life's a Happy Song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just love how silly things like... He gets the flowers and he sings Life's a Happy <laughs> Song and then when he gives her the flowers, they're absolutely fucked because he's done a song and dance routine holding them. Um, but no, it's just it's just really nice. I love how Chris Cooper just like takes the piss out of himself. He's obviously the big bad guy, and when he laughs, he literally just says maniacal laugh, maniacal laugh, and I just that tickles me every time. And when he like this celebrated actor breaks into a rap routine, <laughs> it's just it's just lovely stuff. Is I haven't it? really got much more to say, but yeah, just really nice film. Daisy liked watching the Muppets as well. She's a baby. Mm -hmm. Um, 
Okay, so this is where I need to claim my time back. Um, on Christmas Day, I bought for my dad and we watched They Shall Not oh. Grow Old. I've got this on the Skybox to watch, but I just I feel like I need to be in, a right, in the right place for it. This is easily one of the best films I've ever seen. If I'd have seen it, like if I'd have managed to see it at the cinema, it would have been in my top three easily. Is it actually a film? Because I know it's like reused footage. Is it a documentary no, or is it it's, a film? I, no, you'd class it as a documentary. Um, it's. I, I honestly had to keep pausing it and rewinding it and going back because I was just like, what did I just see? The, the time and care and energy that's been taken to clean this film up um, and the, the dubbing of the voices. So I thought it, it, would just, it would be all old film with overdubbed, you know, with, with the, the voices added in. But yeah. actually what it is is old soldiers talking over the top and the occasional bit of film they've, they've dubbed a bit of speech in where they could make out what they were saying. And it's really silly little things like a soldier will look at a camera and go, oh, hello, Mum. Yeah. And it's really, like, nice little things like that. But it's it's the quality of the picture. I just cannot, I cannot get my head around how they have. It's so incredible what they've done with this film. And when it turns into colour, it's like I've 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 heard reviews and read reviews where they said people in the cinema gasped. Well, I think me and my dad gasped on the sofa watching it. It's so almost subtly done. It's. It's just incredible. I can't really put into words how good it is. And it's so, I think, important for people to watch. I know I was talking to someone the other day who works at a school and he said they had events at the school where they were playing it, like on a, mm. on a projector screen. And essentially the history teacher said, I insist that everyone in this school sits down and watches this film. Mm. And, and parents could come in and watch it as well. It's, it's been so respectfully done and carefully done. And... It's no, it's not over the top. I mean, they could have gone so over the top, and they could have put loads of talking in it, and they could yeah. have gone, they could have done it like Technicolor, but it's not, you know. Um, and with the narration of the actual soldiers over the top, the way it sort of like plays out with the footage that they've used, it just works so so well. Um, you know, Peter Jackson deserves the biggest pat on the back. For the, for the work he's done on that because I really do think it's incredible <clears throat> I th like I say I bought it for my dad for, for us to because I knew that he wanted to see it and I just thought oh, we'll, I'll get it for him and we can I know it's not really you know like fun Christmas viewing yeah. but you watch whatever you watch on Christmas Day it's something that we both wanted to see but as soon as it finished I said to him I want that for my own collection as well mm. um, and quite often I can watch a film once and kind of say okay I don't need to buy that for myself but I definitely want to watch it again yeah. and I think each time you watch it you'll see other little things because we were both watching it to, we were sat next to each other watching it but I was kind of going oh my god did you see that and my dad had missed a bit because he was watching something else yeah. so there's an absolutely beautiful bit right towards the end where the war has ended and there's footage of soldiers sitting around they don't know what to do with themselves they haven't been told what to do now but they're sitting around and there's and I said to my dad did you see that and he's like no, no no and we rewound we it there's a soldier who sighs he just kind of takes a big breath and goes, but they've put the sigh in. Yeah. You can hear him. You see him sigh, and he sighs, and there's a little dog in it and stuff. It's absolutely fantastic. If anyone takes anything away from listening to our podcast, they need to go out and watch They Shall Not Grow Old. It's fucking brilliant.
And there you go, I've used up my four minutes. <coughs> Boom! You really did. Your turn. Uh, so next up for me was Patient Zero. Uh, so this is a zombie horror film starring Matt Smith, Natalie oh, yeah, yeah. Dormer and Stanley Tucci. Um, so... <coughs> So Matt's, so this is obviously a zombie plague has infested the planet. We're like a little army base where they're doing experiments. And essentially, it's sort of, I don't think it's quite a zombie thing because there's a sort of, you don't have to shoot them in the head. It's just like an infection, a bit like 28 days later. Um, but Matt Smith has been bitten and he didn't turn for whatever reason. And they're using, so he can now talk to the infected and they can hear it, so he can understand them, so he can ask them questions like, where are you from, where did you get bitten, what happened, and they can answer him. Um, for some, they're looking for patient zero, so the first person who was infected, so that they can retrofit a cure from that. I found it odd that they weren't doing any experiments on Matt Smith to find out why he just didn't get infected. They are using him to try and create a cure as well, but it's not going as well, and I don't feel like they're pushing as hard, so his, his blood seems to stop people turning as quickly, but doesn't stop them turning. But essentially, so as obviously you say, he's at that, we meet him, like they trap people in the room, the zombies don't like loud noise, so they play loud music at them, he'll then start talking to them, and if they don't play ball, he'll just turn up the music. And there's, there's some really cool use of music, like the actual music they use, it's really sort of 70s, 80s stuff, like different stuff that you'd hear in a zombie film. Um, and they get this one person in, and he's, the, f the earliest person that's been bitten that they've spoken to I've got a bit of time to take back as well uh, the earliest person that we've spoken to and in a place they hadn't heard of before but he ends up not talking to them and then essentially they bring in a load of body bags and then Stanley Tucci breaks out and he's infected but he's like an intellectually infected so no one else can understand him still but he sat there, he gets out a cigarette he sits there, smokes and he's having a proper conversation with Matt Smith and he's very much like, like, zombies isn't a plague, it's the evolution, this is the next step, and he's trying to convince him that you're what has been, we're what's coming, like, it's not about curing us, it's about letting us be. Uh, and then obviously it goes into, like, your usual zombie stuff, but I thought it was quite, it was a different take on the sort of zombie plague, I thought it was quite interesting, well acted with Matt Smith and Natalie Dormer, and obviously Stanley Tucci rocking up in, I imagine what is quite a low-budget film, but no, I thought it was really decent. If you like a zombie film, you'll love it. Tidy. Um, I'm going to talk about one now, which is, I'm going to talk more about um, the restoration. I picked up a copy of the Escape from New York Blu-ray. Oh, I love just, Escape from New York. I've not seen it before. <gasps> I know. Um, but it's just come out uh, restored on Blu-ray. Now, it was available on Blu-ray before, but not in a restored yeah. version. Um, and I was in our um, favourite uh, 50p DVD shop. Um, and I saw that they were selling the new version of the Blu-ray for five English pounds. And I Bargain. thought, and I thought, hmm, that seems cheap. Um, so I snapped one up because the other ones that have come out recently... So like Prince of Darkness, Prince of the Darkness, Fog. Prince of Darkness, The Fog and all that. They're going for like 15 quid. But Escape from New York was five I bet pounds. they probably scanned it in wrong, didn't they, and put it through as like the old-fashioned Blu-ray. Exactly. That's exactly what it is. Because if you look it up on the website, it's the old version that comes up. Um, but this is the new bells and whistles. It's got a nice slipcase. So if you're in um, Kex and you see it with a slipcase, that's the new one. If it's £5, get it. It's well worth it. Now, I watched it with Rich from the fan club. As I say, I've never seen the original, but I kept turning around to him going, oh, the picture's well good. It looks well good. Does it look better than the original? He's just like, yes. <laughs> like, oh, my God, that looks well good. Um, it looks so, so good. I mean, it's a, it's a proper, like, 
cheesy 80s film. Oh, I, I really love, love it. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so my kind of film. It, but it really looks fantastic. If you like the film, it's a Blu-ray that I think is well worth getting. Yeah, no, I it, do want to get it. It is cleaned up so nicely. It looks really good. I haven't watched any of the special features or anything yet, um, but it looks mint. I just love Snake Plissken. Yeah, cool. Right, I'm done with that. Didn't actually talk about the film. You talked about the restoration. I don't need to. I kind of feel like it. You say that, but it's the first time you've seen it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, So I'm not going to talk too much about my next one. He escapes from New York. After he gets dumped in New York. Um, So the next film I watched was Up. I don't think I really need to talk too much about that other than... Did you cry? In the first five minutes, it breaks your fucking heart. That's all right, because I don't really need to talk too much about the next one and then it, And then it warms you for the rest of the film. It's just... I think It's one of those films where I think it's good, but I don't know, in my <clears> head I sort of think, oh, it's a bit dull, it's just an old man and a kid. But when you're actually watching it, it's just... just about The whole bit with the talking dogs. Oh, Squirrel! The, the dogs. My name is Dog and I love you, even though I've just met you. It's just... Oh, I just imagine. And Kevin... What a name to give to a fucking <laughs> exotic bird. But yeah, just a great film. A great yeah, film. Agree. Um, in the HMV sale, I treated myself to It on Blu-ray because I didn't have it, the new version. Yeah. Um, and I gave that a rewatch. We don't need to talk about that because we spoke about it in the remakes episode, we I did. believe. Uh, we both are a fan of the new version. Chapter um, 2 due this September. And yeah. It's just as good, just as good watching it second time around as it was. Yeah, no, first I really time enjoyed around. it second time around. Yeah. What else? Yeah, uh, yeah. So again, not too much. So I've rewatched the Lego Movie. Uh, obviously, Lego Movie Everything Two. Everything's awesome. Yeah, Lego Movie Two, which they are actually called Lego Movie Two, or the <laughs> second one. Yeah, it's just it, again, it's just so silly, so on the nose. Like the song, everything is awesome. I love how so. I love the like, animated or comedy film where they. There's the stuff for the kids, and then there is the stuff that's going to go over the kids' heads mm-hmm. straight onto the adults. I think it's just, again, it's just a lovely film. I like the whole bit where, because obviously it's the Lego film, and then he falls out of the Lego, and we find <clears> out <throat> that actually it's a kid playing with Lego is the whole film, mm. and Will Ferrell's the, he is Mr. Boss or whatever his name is, and he's the one who glues the Lego, and he has like this argument with his son, and there's like the really heartwarming thing where he realizes no Lego is meant to be played with. I mean, absolute scene stealer is Liam Neeson as good cop, bad cop. Just how they convinced him to play that part and how how the, the idea of that character came up is just, yeah, but absolutely love it. Really looking forward to the second one. I love the Lego movies. I think they're really well done. It's just, yeah, it's just... Because it could be really shit, like a film about Lego, but they just threw themselves into it and it's just, I can't, I can't wait for the second one. Although it's not the same directors, so I have to see, but... Yeah, cannot wait. Loved it. Nice. Um, someone at work lent me uh, Goodbye Christopher Robin because they thought I would enjoy it. They were right. Um, sat down and watched it. A bit of weeper. Yeah, a, bit, a little bit weepy. Sat down and watched it with Lucy. We had a nice little snuggle on the sofa and watched it. Got a little bit teary-eyed at the end. Uh, it's got Abdominal Gleason in it as A.A. Milne and... Margot, isn't it? Margot Robbie as his wife. She plays a bit of a cow. Um, truth be told and Kelly MacDonald who came up earlier um, she plays the young Christopher Robbins um, nanny and that's really who he's closest to he's closer to his nanny than um, either of his parents and it's the story of um, how the Winnie the Pooh books got written Um, and what what happens to Christopher Robin as he grows up and joins the army and comes back home and what his relationship with his parents are like and at the end, because it's obviously based on a true story, 
at the end it sort of like tells a little bit about all the characters and sort of, you know, what it tells a bit about A.A. Milne, Christopher no. Robin. It says Christopher Robin and I can't remember the nanny's name. Let's just call her nanny. Um, remained close until she died. Um, and he he described her as being like an, an, like another part of him. Yeah. Like an extra part of him. And I just thought that was a really like lovely thing. You see this really lovely relationship between this little boy and his nanny um, and his absent parents yeah um that was what i found most striking about it um but i i really really liked it um really nice film it's the kind of film that if i saw it cheap i possibly would pick up a copy to mm. watch again um especially if i can find a copy with the slip case because it had a nice bobbly matte fin- no it wasn't bobbly but it had a nice matte finish and it had a really beautiful picture the kind of ones at the stick of ruins because it takes the lacquer no, off. no 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 not not that no not that um but yeah, just a very very nice sleeve design. Mm. Um, I do want to see it because I obviously I've mentioned before that Margot Robbie is one of the people that makes me watch a film, and I really like Domhnall Gleeson as well. I think he's yeah. a great actor. Uh, so next up for me, I'm literally going to say nothing can move straight on to the next one. I watched Coco. Lovely. Uh, we don't need to talk about. I also watched The Blob, the 1958 <laughs> version of The Blob that I bought on <laughs> Blu-ray. Love how random our viewings are. <laughs> uh, so I got this a little while ago in FOP, where I was. They had like a random horror classics ending um it's like proper shit because it's from the 50s so everyone's like oh look over there there's a blob <laughs> it's just but the blob's actually quite well done it's literally just like ky jelly and apparently <laughs> what i was gonna it, say is it just a jelly <laughs> it's literally just a jelly but apparently because they had to color it because it's pink the actual blob that they use in the film still exists it's still like a blob yeah, it's still a blob. It's still a blob. It's not like gone hard. It's not gone dry. <laughs> oh. And apparently, like, I don't know the studio that made it, but on their tour, you can just see it. Has anyone tried to eat it? I mean, it's KY with a bit of because basically it starts off pretty clear, and as it kills people, it gets redder and redder as it's like sucking them out. But I mean, it start. It's literally just like people dissolve into it. They try and electrocute it. It gets bigger. But there's lots of sort of. That how we love it, like it's clearly a model. Like there's a bit where it bursts into a cinema and bursts out, and it's clearly just like a little wooden cinema they made that they're just pushing KY jelly out of the. <laughs> out Amazing. Of the it's got Steve McQueen in it. He's playing like a 17 year old, and at the time he was 28. <laughs> <laughs> it's like when you watch Greece, isn't it? And they're yeah. like 40 or something. <laughs> but yeah, it's just like I say, it's that proper shit. You're not like someone looking for a horror film is not going to enjoy it because it, it's not scary. I really want to see like the 80s remake because that looks quite. I didn't realize I was, but I didn't realize there was two versions. I thought there was only one, so I think I sort of had the '80s version in my head. But as someone who just enjoys films and enjoys like that sort of seeing that sort of era of films, because it's very much of its era, it was very enjoyable. Nice. Yeah, I'll have to have a watch of that. Um, okay, so another film which I picked up in the sales, um, which I'd wanted to see for ages, is Beast, which I'd oh, read. They had yeah. an unlimited screener for that, and I couldn't make it. Um, with our favourite actor. It's the guy from the Cineworld adverts, is the guy. Oh, fuck off, is it? Yeah, the main guy is the guy, is the lifeless dead man from the Cineworld adverts. Johnny something. Shut up. Yeah. Fucking hell, no way. Right, Terry's cut into my time a little bit there. Yeah, you, you can um, have that 30 seconds back. Right, okay, let's talk about <laughs> Beast, which I had read was kind of like an adult fairy tale. No. Um... So Jesse Buckley plays Mole, and mm. Johnny Flynn yeah, the plays Pascal. Man. I 
Okay, so I did not recognise him. So he can actually act then. Okay, so the guy who does the City World actors, who Terry describes as being dead behind the eyes, (laughs) I can't believe it's the same guy because he's actually really good in this. So what? So what happens is Mole um, is a daughter in this. You know, she's got this overbearing mother, a brother who's a dick who's always dumping his kid on her. She helps care for her father, who possibly got like Alzheimer's or something like that. She kind of does what she's told all the time, but she thinks her fans... She's got a sister who's, like, at Mole's birthday. They have a birthday party, and as they're bringing a cake out and they're singing happy birthday, her sister announces that she's pregnant. So all the attention goes on her, yeah. and Mole's a bit like, it's my fucking birthday. So she fucks off to this... Uh, she just goes into town and goes to this club and meets this guy, Pascal, and they start this romance. But also, going on this, this is tiny little island that they live on. There's these murders going on, and Pascal is the prime witness, and it's kind of how their relationship progresses and, you you know, is Mole a little bit crazy? Is Pascal a little bit crazy? And you never find out who mm. actually did it. It's just their sort of, like, fucked-up relationship along the way. Mm. Um, I enjoyed the performances. I enjoyed the story. Um, I, I liked the fact that characters are quite sort of, like, understated, um, mm. especially Mole. I liked her a lot. She's, like... She seems quite meek and mild, but actually she's a little bit crazy. Yeah. Um, and I cannot believe that Pascal is played by Dead Behind the Eyes guy. <laughs> um, I'll have to lend it to you because you yeah. won't believe it's no, the same guy. Because he does like, th- at the moment he's uh, in he's the in West the End with, with Kit Harrington from I know. Game of Thrones. Jon Snow. Couldn't believe yeah. it when I saw the pictures. Um, but yeah, it's all right. It's, it's worth a look, I think. Lovely. Uh, so I rewatched Ant Man and the Wasp because obviously that Love came that out film. on Blu-ray. Over, I, I'd forgotten how good it was. I enjoyed it at the cinema. I think I possibly enjoyed it more second time around. It's just, it's so funny. One of the best Stan Lee cameos because mm. like, his car shrinks and he's just like, oh, that's what I enjoyed the sixties. That's like my comeuppance. I just, I love all the bits with like the cars where it's constantly shrinking and growing and just like. I almost like the fact as well that like although Marvel hasn't had like a female-led film yet, I feel like this almost was because although it's Ant-Man and the Wasp, the Wasp is like the main character in this. It's her story, and he's just along for the ride. It's just yeah, I just I think Paul Rudd's really really mm. watchable in anything, and I feel like he's a really good Ant-Man. It was very odd casting like Paul Rudd, who's in his fifties. Shut up. He's in his fifties. No way. Look it up on the Dumba. He is in his fifties. On the Dumba. IMDb. I said it wrong. <laughs> But yeah, in his fifties, it's fucking unreal. And I think about, up. he was in Friends, I... wasn't he? Like twenty years ago, he's just he hasn't aged since about the age of twenty-three. He was in Clueless as well in the early nineties. Wow, the man just does not age. Um, but yeah, no, I really enjoyed it. I think Michael Douglas is just really good in it, just playing like the straight man almost. Just all the bits like I know who can help us, and his face is just like it's those fucking idiots again, isn't it? And he ends up in the office. And the bit where Scott Lang ends up at half size in the school and he gets back in, would you like a juice box? Uh, <laughs> have you actually got a juice box? <laughs> it's just just lovely banter. Yeah. Really enjoy it. Oh, I like it a lot. Um, okay, then another film that I found on Netflix. Now, I was looking for a fun film to watch. I'd had a bit of a shitty day at work and I wanted to watch my favourite funny film that I found by surprise, which is Grimsby. It's not on fucking <laughs> Netflix or Amazon. Um, so I was just looking for a comedy and on my list I had a film called Young Offenders, and it came in at 88 minutes long. I thought, oh, fucking having that, I'm watching that one. 
Um, it's an Irish, let's call it a comedy, an Irish comedy um, centred around two teenagers called Connor and Jock, who both want to escape. So one of them lives with their dad, one of them lives with his mum, um, and they just don't have great home lives and they want to escape. And they re- see in the news that this boat has dropped a load of, uh, like a pallet of cocaine. All right. So yeah. they cycle 160 kilometres across Ireland to see if they can get some of this cocaine, <laughs> which they want to sell for 7 million euros. And they've got no concept really of how much money that is and what they can do with it. So again, oh, imagine if we had a million euros. Oh yeah, we could buy Ireland or whatever. You know, they've <laughs> really got no like concept of money. They're both a bit stupid, but they sort of like still manage to get themselves out of scrapes. One of them um, steals bikes all the time, and a local policeman is a cyclist, and so he's hell bent on catching them. So he's chasing them. Across. He's put a little device on one of the bikes to follow them. So he's chasing them as well, and it's how they sort of, like, evade him. And there's, like, local criminals that they've pissed off. So the boy who steals bikes um, got a mask made up of a local criminal, and he wears the mask whenever he's stealing bikes. So he's just called, like, (laughs) known as, like, fake Phil or something like that. So the actual criminal whose face it is, he's after them as well. And then the guy they stole the drugs off of, he comes after them as well. And it's just an absolute farce, but it was so enjoyable. It had some proper laugh-out-loud moments. I, I really recommend anyone with Netflix, or if you see it, like... I've looked for it in Kex, I can't find it. Um, Young Offenders, it's called. It's got a blue cover. The two boys stood on the front. It's well worth a watch. It's one of those surprising films. When it started, though, very quickly... Um, I couldn't understand the accents. And I was thinking, shit, I'm going to need subtitles for this. But as as you get about 10 or 15 minutes in, they do soften a little bit and you can follow what they're saying. <laughs> but yeah, well worth a look. I really enjoyed that one. What's next? Uh, so I watched Piranha Part 2, The Ooh. Spawning. <laughs> uh, so this is James Cameron's directorial debut. Oh. Um, which is why I picked it up because I knew it was his film. Uh, it's shit. Um, <laughs> I thought it... You know, it's like, I thought maybe it'll be shit, but it'll have some, like, good moments. You'll see there's nothing to suggest that this was going to go on to be one of the greatest directors that has ever lived. (laughs) It's, the piranhas themselves are, like, proper shitty animatronic, but obviously this is the second one. Apparently the first one's half decent and this one's crap, but in this one the piranhas have started to fly. So people will just be stood near the water and a piranha will just fly at them and rip their throat out. When was this film made? Uh, It was from 1981. Oh, okay. Uh, so the effects are quite cool because obviously it's all like animatronics and like practical effects like people's throats hanging out but the storyline is literally just there is like a wreckage it's all set in like Jamaica like, there's a wreckage that these piranhas are living in and they just keep coming out and eating people and they're trying to find them you've got like the the head of the hotel doesn't want to shut anything down just like the jaw, the, she- the mayor in Jaws <laughs> do you uh, struggle with your words there? <laughs> a, a little bit uh, Lance Hendrickson, I fucking struggle with all my words now. He's like the cop. His wife, his ex-wife, who they've had a very bad split up, she's like a scuba diving teacher who obviously wants to stop the scuba diving. It's just, it's proper shitty 80s crap. So there's some good deaths in it, and there's, but on the whole, it's like, if you really like a sort of shit creature feature, you'll like it, but it's not for anyone else. Did you buy it? Yeah, of course. I'll borrow that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it, it's, totally it's only about 90 team. minutes as well, but yeah, it's proper, proper... Because there's one bit where Lance Henriksen, his son is in a boat with a girl who's very busty because it's the 80s. 
um, <laughs> and the piranha are getting near the boat. And he elects, he's in a helicopter. Instead of trying to get low enough for them to climb onto the helicopter or going and getting help, deploying a ladder, he elects to jump into the water where the piranha are. And it, upon him jumping into the water, the helicopter just goes, boom, for no reason. And he's just like, what have I just watched? He's jumped out of a helicopter. It's then crashed and exploded in water. When he could have just literally said, jump on. But yeah, one, one of the many silly things that made me laugh. But yeah. Worth a watch. If you like shit films. <laughs> if you like a shit film, yeah. Uh, which uh, brings me on nicely to the next film that I watched. Now, Terry will know this. One of my uh, guilty pleasures is dance movies. Yes, it is. Um, of, of the um, step-up street dance ilk. I fucking love them. I don't care. I know they're shit. I watch them for the little dance routines. I just, I just love them. Um, my favourite dance movie of all time is Flash Dance, which is ironic because the lead actress does none of her own dancing. But um, not a dance film, but I thought it would have a similar appeal to me. So I watched Magic Mike. Oh, right, yeah. I've never watched Magic Mike before. Um, what a festering turn of a film Yeah, Jen didn't like that. And she's basically in love with Channing Tatum. So Yeah, I've got no beef with Channing Tatum. It's got Matthew McConaughey in it as well. Um, what it did cement in my mind, which I was probably about 97% sure of anyway, is that I find male strippers incredibly cringy and unattractive to watch. How anyone gets off on watching that, I do not know. All I was... I was literally cringing for two hours watching that <laughs> film. Um, the strip routines are so toe-curlingly embarrassing. I, I had to just keep... I was getting up and making drinks, going to the toilet. Every time they started a fucking strip routine, I just thought, oh, God, I'm going to throw up in my mouth. This is awful. Um, I was so distracted by how awful the stripping was, but at the same time, distracted by what amazing shape Matthew McConaughey was in. Oh, God, yeah. Um, at one point, was it? so he's like the head, the head guy, but you never see him strip. And then right towards the end, he does a little strip routine. There's a bit where he goes down because they got like a uh, a runway stage, yeah. and he kind of like walks down. And he does this kind of like sideways split thing at the front, and I just thought, oh, his hamstrings look good. Um, and I thought, well, I don't know. It really says a lot about the film and what I think about strippers when it's their hamstrings that I'm looking at. Um, but give me the full Monty any day. Fuck off, Magic Mike. It was <laughs> it was toe curlingly bad. Absolutely never watching that again. What else did you watch? <laughs> Uh, I watched another animated film, The Croods. I don't know if you've seen it. Oh, no, I haven't. <clears throat> I, I might have seen a bit of it, actually. So it's about cavemen. Haven't you seen this before? I've watched it before, yeah. Jem really likes it. I was going to say, I thought it was one that um, Gemma liked. So, yeah, you've Is got... Is it the same people that did Shrek? It might be. It might be DreamWorks. Do you not think it's got that kind of look to it? I or guess so, yeah. Or old... No. It's definitely not Aldman. No, okay. Uh, but, yeah, Nicolas Cage is, like, the head of the family. I... Emma Stone is, like, the girl, but... He's got the full power, and basically, there is something happening. There is like a volcanic explosion ruining their their cave, and they have to leave the cave. Obviously, they're cavemen, so they're very primitive. So he's just like, we need a new cave. They bump into Ryan Reynolds, who's a bit more of a evolved human, I guess. He can think, and basically, they go along with him to try and find a new cave. And it's just he doesn't like him to start off with, obviously, because he's clever. Whereas he's not about brute strength and he's obviously got his eyes on his daughter. And it's just like your standard sort of road trip film to a degree. It's it's very charming. It's quite funny. It's quite heartwarming towards the end. 
Um, if you like your children's films or like your animated films, you'd enjoy it. It's, it's nice. I think yeah. they're making a sequel to it at the moment. I but thought they already had, to be honest. It, they might have done, but yeah, no, I, I like it. Mm. I was going to say, I thought it was one that you'd seen before. Um, after Magic Mike, I watched the Lady Gaga documentary that's on mm. Netflix, Five Foot Two, uh, which is certainly on my Netflix anyway, being heavily advertised. I imagine off of the success of A Star Is Born. You'd have thought so. Um, and this is, and actually, right at the start of the documentary, she is talking about the fact that Bradley Cooper has got in touch with her and asked her to be in a film called A Star Is Born. And she turns around and goes, So I'm going to be in a movie. And I just thought, Oh, who would have known that like two, three years later it'd be this huge, huge thing? Yeah. And it's the documentary follows her during the recording of. Um, is it Joanne or Joanna? I think it's Joanne, um, which I think is her best album, in my opinion. The recording of that album and the build-up to the Super Bowl show. Yeah. Um, and it just kind of like follows her around, really. Kind of, um, she, she's quite a delicate little flower at times. She suffers with, I don't know if you know, she gets like she's got chronic pain, yeah. which she's suffered from, and you can see her get like she's like her body goes into spasm down one side, and she's constantly having to get like parts of her body like massaged out and stuff um she gets very emotional during the recording of the album because it's about her aunt i think that's where Mm. she's got the name from i believe it's her aunt or her grandmother's sister i can't remember which um and for whatever reason um she'd had to have her hands amputated or she wanted to die before she had her hands amputated um but yeah, she's a very emotional throughout. And then, you know, she gets to the end and she does the Super Bowl show. I personally think her Super Bowl show was incredible. Um, I love Lady Gaga anyway. And I just think if you're a fan of music, certainly if you're a fan of Lady Gaga's music, but if you're a fan of, if you're a music documentary fan, mm. I just think it's really fun to watch. I found it really, really enjoyable. Way better than Magic Mike. Because I watched it straight <laughs> after and I was just like, oh, to God. To cleanse your palate. Yeah. I was like, this is how you do it, boys. <laughs> Fuck it now. But yeah, five foot two, awesome. Uh, so next up, I won't go into this one. I watched Ready Player One. Obviously, we mentioned that in the end of year pod. Mm-hmm. Uh, having now rewatched it, because I said it didn't make my top ten, it probably would edge into my top ten now because I'd forgotten just how fucking phenomenal mm. it is. Uh, so then I watched a film that I know you loved when we saw it at the cinema, Sonia. This was a rewatch. I think you sound like you've been <coughs> sarcastic. The Mummy. Oh, Sorry, God, Tom Cruise. What a fucking pile of shit that was. <laughs> Please don't tell me you bought that. I did buy it. Oh, I. I quite enjoyed it. I know we came out and you were like, that was a festering pile. And I was just like, it was all right. I got it cheap off hv.com in a steel book. I got it for like mm. six quid. So I was mm. like, I'll take the punt. Like, I quite enjoyed it. I still really enjoyed it. It's definitely got its flaws. I think they, their big problem, it's obviously fallen by wayside. They tried to create a universe out of this film. They tried yeah. to create the dark universe. They threw Jekyll and Hyde in there. There's hints at vampires and Frankenstein. I think if they'd have just gone for the mummy film... Mm. But I think it's actually quite creepy. I, like the actual mummy, yeah. I think is brilliant. What's her name? M- M- Imma, no, M- Imhotep's the guy in it. Yeah, Mama or something. M- but M- where she like bites, like sucks the life out of people, and then they become like her zombies that run after. I think that's really good. I think Tom Cruise is really good in it. Um, I think Jake Johnson's really good. He's a sort of werewolf in London, American werewolf in London style apparition that he sees. But yeah, I just think it's. It's definitely throwaway. It's a sort of switch off and watch kind of a film, but I still really liked it. Yeah, that's yeah. It's something that I don't think I'll ever need to watch again. Um, and the last thing I watched, besides a few uh, TV things, which I want to talk about at the end, um, 
I watched Psycho 2 uh, just this afternoon because I had a few hours spare and I wanted to watch a film and I noticed I had your copy of Psycho 2 sitting on the side and I thought, well, I'll get that watched then I can give it back. Yeah. Um, and I've heard good things about Psycho 2 um, and it's out on Arrow Video, uh, which is normally an indicator that you and I are going to like mm. something because we do like the, uh, the films that they choose. Um, set 22 years after the original Psycho. Um, <clears throat> Norman Bates is back. I really loved the story with the mother and daughter. Yeah. Um, who uh, torment him, if yeah. you like. That's probably the best way of putting it. Um, I really liked the story and it looked incredible because Arrow have done yeah. a brilliant job as per usual. Um, I really, really think it's like a solid solid film like so when you get these like iconic films and then a sequel is made certainly a sequel made by someone else you're normally mm. a bit like massively dubious but we'd heard really good things yeah. about Psycho 2 hadn't we and I I think it's a really decent no, film I really liked it I think I spoke about it on the podcast before. yeah really liked when it. you watched it yeah I think it's really really good don't forget to take it home yeah I've got it next to me so my next one's slightly different to Psycho 2 I watched Teen Titans go to the movies good grief so I'd heard really good things about this. It's, it's a TV series, so it's like the the secondary DC people. So you've got like Robin, Cyborg. Um, I can't remember the names of the other ones. And this is... So it's very sort of meta. So this is set in a universe of that. And basically all the superheroes are getting their films. Obviously Batman's got films, Superman's got films. Nicolas Cage plays Superman in this film in like a sort of cameo. And essentially the Teen Titans, or Robin more particularly, he wants his own film. So they go to the studio and find out what it would take to get their film. And she's just like, basically no one cares, like you're crap, you're sidekicks. Who the fuck wants to see the film by a sidekick? So they basically endeavour to travel back in time because they can just create time travel devices and stop all of the superheroes having ever existed. So they go back to Krypton and as it's about to explode, they fix Krypton so it never explodes. Superman is never sent to Earth. They go to Gotham, and when Batman and his parents are about to walk down the alleyway where they get killed, they take, don't go down there, go down here, and they show this really happy street instead. And then they come back to now, and obviously the world's in fucking turmoil. It's been destroyed because there aren't these superheroes here to protect everyone. So then they have to go back in time and reset everything. And they literally just like throw Batman's parents down this alleyway and just like give Batman a dummy and just sort of say like, get on with it. And it's just, it's really OTT. It's it's very childish in places. Uh, Greg Davis plays Balloon Man, uh, who the Teen Titans fight and they shoot him in the bum. And literally <laughs> for about a minute, this man made of a balloon just goes... <laughs> And they go, ah, you fart. And he goes, I didn't fart. It was just air coming out of my bum. And they go, that's a fart. <laughs> <laughs> it's just ridiculous. Sounds amazing. Um, and it has the best Stan Lee cameo ever. Bearing in mind it's a DC film, so he shouldn't be cameoing. But literally he does his cameo and then it's like, this is a DC film. And he's like, oh, and that runs off. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just, it's really ridiculous. But I just really enjoyed it. And again, it's like 90 minutes that sounds really good. Did you buy yeah. it or was it on? Yeah, yeah, I got it at Kex for about a fiver. Nice. Yeah, that sounds really good. I remember seeing a trailer for that. It looked quite funny. Um, I'm all done with my films and stuff that <clears> I've watched, but I have been binge watching a couple of TV things. Um, so I'll just quickly uh, cover one of those. Um, so a film, that, uh, a film, a TV show that I've watched bits and pieces of, but I've never seen the whole of, is The IT Crowd. <sighs> now, this seems to have caused fucking uproar when I posted about it on our Facebook 
just like, oh, I can't believe I've never watched the whole of the IT crowd before. Now, the one episode which I did, which I had seen before, was Gay the Musical. Yeah. Um, Not as long as other musicals. And I knew that um, that Noel, I can't remember his character. Oh, what is his name? I knew oh, that he lived yeah. behind the red door because I was sat there with Lucy kind of going, oh, you know, he's behind the red door. And she's looking at me going, no. Because I just assumed she had watched it because yeah. I honestly thought I was the only person in the world who hadn't seen the IT crowd. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm just like working my way through series one now. It's so... Moss is just... I absolutely love all of them, like all three of them that are downstairs, and obviously Noel as well, but all three of the main ones that are downstairs. But someone, I don't know if you saw it, someone did comment on there that, I can't believe you've never watched this before, Sonia. You're basically Moss, but without any of his social skills. Yeah, no, I saw that. <laughs> I was like, fucking cheers. <laughs> but I like the other, I like Roy. Yeah, I think I'm more Roy. You're definitely more Roy, because you're just like, oh, people. Yeah. Whereas Moss likes to try, but is just scared. <laughs> I know. Have you got to the one where he's on about a closed door is a happy door? It's like, you never open the door. It's like, yep. I live in London. Who's knocking at the door? It's, it's knives and poo, not cake. <laughs> no, I think uh, the last one I watched was Gay the Musical. Oh, so I'm, I'm just... literally just starting. I'm like five or six episodes yeah. in. Um, but I can see myself finishing that in oh, no time because it only gets better as well it doesn't like some because uh, Matt Berry rocks up in it doesn't he yeah so Denham played by Chris Morris yeah. he <gasps> I don't know if he left for any particular reason but he leaves at the episode in episode one of season two and Matt Berry takes over as the head of oh, Denham Industries okay. with the greatest entrance of any sitcom character ever I'll look you will know to- all I would do is, no one will see this, but <laughs> okay. it's just magical. Terry's doing an air grab. Yeah. Um, cool. Okay, what else have you been watching? I've only uh, got one more to go after this. Uh, so I watched a film called In Darkness that I picked up in the HMV sale for like one ninety nine, and it follows a blind piano player who is friends with a woman who lives upstairs, and she is murdered, and it's how, like the cops come into her, it's proper shit, there's no redeeming features whatsoever. I was really surprised because it's that proper schlocky. It's Natalie Dormer as the blind pianist. Mm. There's a bit where she gets naked and it's that proper sort of exploitative nudity, like for no reason. And I was just like, oh, that's a bit odd that she's done that. Then when I looked it up, she wrote it with her husband and her husband's the director. Oh. And it just seems a bit odd that... Because mm. it's literally like this. She has a shower and she's naked and then she has a sex scene where it's like... It, you know when you like sometimes you sit and you're just like, oh, there's a bit of boob. It was like, boobs... And mm. it just like took me out. It, and then there's a twist in the film which is just fucking dog shit. What I, what, uh, what did you give it on Letterboxd? Uh, I gave it two. Oh. I am um, one that I haven't written down on my list here, uh, probably because I didn't rate it. I watched, um, I started to watch The Institute, which has got your mate James Franco in it. Um, didn't even finish watching it. It was so utterly shit. Zero stars from me. Film or series? Film. Film. Yeah. Rubbish, <clears throat> rubbish, rubbish, rubbish. Um, the last thing that I've been binging on, and to be honest, I've binged on this so spectacularly, I'm actually a little bit proud of how much I've watched like in less than a week. Um, how to Get Away with Murder, series um, four, is on Netflix, and I thought, brilliant, I want to watch series four. And when I started reading through the uh, episode list of series three, I thought, oh, I haven't seen series three. When I started looking through series two, I thought, oh, fuck, I haven't even finished series two. I'd got up to like the mid-season bit. Yeah. Um, But I wanted to refresh myself. So I've watched the whole of season two of How to Get Away with Murder, which is about 16 episodes in less than a week. 
I um, couldn't get on with how to get away with murder. It's got Viola Davis in it, and mm. I honestly could watch her shit in a bag and probably be entertained. And I, I've got a bit of video to show you um, later. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> Shitting in a bag. Oh my god! I realised that's really <laughs> like lead on. Um, I don't want to see what you get up to when I'm not around. <laughs> Um, I'm pretty sure a bit of the episode that I watched earlier, um, one of the other actors, so as she walks into the house, her character's name is Annalise, I'm pretty sure he calls her Viola. Mm. Um, I love it when shit like that happens. I'll play it to you and see what, see what you think. I'm pretty sure he calls her Viola by mistake. Um, and they try and like fudge it over by sort of I think they've overlapped they've like overdubbed another character speaking over it yeah. but I'm pretty sure he says oh Viola what happened um, no I really I really like I mean it, the twists and turns are so ridiculous I mean they're all in so deep now and they are all sleeping with each other I mean literally every episode I'm just like she's sleeping with him now he's mm. doing what now and who's with oh if they break, I don't know what's going on um, so there's a lot of shagging that goes on um but I just like I think it's a really solid cast and I just yeah. I just in Yeah, and I think I got I like three or four very... episodes into series one and just it wasn't grabbing me. Yeah, no, I re- I really liked the first series. Like I say, I'd obviously got up to the middle of season two because I was watching it on some terrestrial TV channel like ages ago when it first came out. Mm. Um but yeah, I've binged the shit out of that, which is why I haven't got as far on the IT crowd. But that's it. Oh, that's everything I've watched besides the stuff that we've watched for next episode. I've got a couple more. So I watched a film that I bought a long time ago and finally got around to watch Shin Godzilla. Oh, yeah. You so, did buy that ages ago. Yeah, I know. Didn't you buy it in, like, <clears throat> 1987? Not quite that long ago. <laughs> um, so this is a Godzilla film, but it's, like, a Japanese reboot. So, obviously, there's been a million Godzilla films, and, obviously, we had the American reboot fairly recently. So it, this actually is... Th- the first time they've rebooted it in the sense that no one has heard of Godzilla. We see him coming out of the water and no one knows who he is. No one knows what he... But it's kind of cool because he comes out and he's this weird like fish thing and then he sort of... He slowly evolves in front of everyone's eyes and slowly becomes Godzilla. It's... I really liked it. I love Godzilla. I love a monster film. Um, the effects are quite cheap looking. Like Godzilla himself is quite good. They've obviously used all the money on that but then everything else looks like proper shit and like... It's very sort of not badly acted because I guess that's how Japan would be. But there's very much like we say, anyway, it's just like, yes, I will go and do that now. I feel like we should do this. And that's sort of the way they talk. So it's sort of hard to get into like the emotional core of the film. But essentially, it's a giant fucking monster smashing up a city. And like he has rays that come out of his back. He obviously has the fire breath. And it's just, yeah, just loved it. It's like two hours, but it's just two hours of absolute mayhem. And say, so I, I just live for that kind of shit. Uh, and then I also watched last night just on a whim because someone I was messaging someone they were I'm watching this it's not awful so I thought I'd watch it the remake of Death Wish starring Bruce Willis which is on Netflix now oh yeah uh, so obviously it's a remake of the Charles Bronson you were saying Death Michael Wish I was film. Death Note and I'm like no uh, the Michael Winner Charles Bronson film so from the outset I think Bruce Willis is very poor casting for this film because the whole idea is in the original he was an architect in this one he's a surgeon. His wife and daughter are, in the original, raped and murdered. In this one, they're just murdered. Um, And he slowly loses his mind and then goes on a revenge mission. But it's meant to be, obviously, that he's this weird guy that you wouldn't expect it of. But 
because he's Bruce Willis, it doesn't seem like that much of a jump that he's now f- killing people. I feel like they needed to get someone who was less actiony. But it's it's okay. It's decent. What I hate with films like this, where there's obviously a horrible thing that happens, they have to really set up how happy he is and how happy his family is. So the first fifteen minutes is fucking horrendously sugary and. Mm. Oh, but Daddy, I love you. Oh, I'm going off to university. Oh, yeah, we, we just love each other. Let's go for a nice little... Let's go for dinner. And it's just... Some of the action's pretty cool when he, he becomes... They call him the Grim Reaper. And it's got um, Hank from Breaking Bad in it as a cop because that man is now typecast as a cop. Um, I gave it two and a half. It's it's not awful. It's quite long. It's nearly two hours. Ugh. Um, but it's just... I don't know, like... It was okay, but say for me, for me, it was mainly that they cast Bruce Willis because it's just he is what you'd expect him to be, and I don't think they did anything different to the original. It was just an excuse for people to get killed, like he drops cars on people and stuff like that. Mm. Uh, so that's all the films, and then just because you mentioned about films, so if this is possibly criminal, and you're going to shout at me. I watched my first ever episode of Peep Show yesterday. Oh, it's not criminal. I've never watched Peep Show. Oh, have you not? So I've seen old episodes. People have gone on to me. I watched the first episode and laughed my head off. Yeah. I, flirting whilst, or trying to flirt using the Battle of Stalingrad <laughs> is quite something. Uh, but I really enjoyed it, so I'll probably be binge-watching all of that because that's now dropped on Netflix. So. Yeah. No, I've um, I've seen bits of uh, Peep Show before and it has been recommended to me, but I've never yeah. sat down and sort of watched episode after episode, as it were. Uh, cool, right, we all done? Yeah. <clears throat> a, that was a long one. Um, Hopefully it will never get that long again. <laughs> <laughs> Said my wife. <laughs> oh, God. That's my ovary Mine's in the up. gutter. Um, lovely. Thank you for listening. Um, let's do our social media stuff. You can do it. I did it last time. So as we mentioned previously, we are now on the Facebook. So you can search it either as Theatrical Cut or Theatrical Cut Pod. Uh, we'll be posting on there. We'll be doing polls and stuff on there when, we, when we're looking for stuff for our topics. That'll be the best place to get in touch as well as our email address, which is theatricalcut at gmail.com. We still will be using Instagram as well to let you know what we're watching, what we're working <coughs> on and the, the films we're going to see at the cinema. We are Theatrical Cut Pod on there. I'm Prefax and Sonia is Mallory underscore watches. Beautiful. Next episode, we're going to be talking about some of our favourite Guy Pearce films. Yeah. That's all we need to say about that. Terry, we all done? All done. Mike, drop. Drop.